Good morning. Wow. Hey, first of all, can you all just give yourselves a round of applause? Just, just really loud. Because, you know why? Because today is July 5th. That's why. And yesterday was the 4th of July, and yesterday many of you were probably up late shooting fireworks or eating hamburgers or just because your dog couldn't sleep because of the fireworks, and you know who you are that have pets. Uh, I've already heard the stories today, so thank you. Thank you for being here today, uh, making church, making God a priority in your life. Uh, It's so important. I have the unique honor and the unique privilege this morning to be able to kick off this brand new series this summer called Moment Maker. And let me just tell you this, I am super, super excited about it. Over the past month or so, the Lord has been doing a work in my heart, leading me to today. I've just been giddy about today because of what the Lord is going to share with us. Um, I know that we've got some communicators that are coming in the next few weeks that, oh man, I've seen the direction that we're going. You don't want to miss it. I promise you don't want to miss it. But we believe that our life is made up of a series of moments and that God created each and every one of those moments to help us grow in our faith. He did. It's how we respond to these moments that determines who we are and what we become because God is the moment maker. But we know this, right? We understand this. We can look back in our life And we can see the progression that these moments have taken us. Uh, We look back in time at all the moments that make us who we are. And there's all kinds of different type of moments. There's there's, uh, embarrassing moments like when you're in your Jeep Grand Cherokee. I'm not naming any names. But uh, you're going down the road and you're singing Katy Perry's song. Baby, you're a firework. You know, and then you realize like out of your periphery, there's like a shuttle bus of kids that are just looking at you with like this slight awe and condemnation in their eyes. And like you just kind of sink down like this and your face gets kind of red. So there's embarrassing type moments. You know what I'm talking about? Don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about. You do the same thing. I know it. I know it. I mean, even police officers get caught up and they don't realize that their dash cam is on. Take a look at this. But I keep cruising. Can't stop, won't stop See what I mean? I'm not the only one that does that. Well, then you, then you have awkward moments in life, like when it's your birthday and you just want to go out with your friends. You want to go to a nice sit down dinner. You want to enjoy time with them. Am I right? And what always seems to happen? You always seem to have that one friend that like calls the waiter over, you know what I'm saying? And says, hey, you know what we need to do? We need to sing happy birthday. Bad idea. Bad idea, you know? And then the whole restaurant is just staring at you as they belt out happy birthday. It's that like awkward moment when, when everybody like can sing the song, but if it's your birthday, what do you do? Like you can't sing with them. 
It's your birthday. All you can do is sit there with this awkward grin on your face and just wish something or someone would die. And, um, and then everybody else that's singing the song too, let me just point it out to you. Nobody likes singing that song in the middle of the restaurant. Everybody else is kind of wishing that song would kind of stop or die or somebody would. And, um, except, except for the one person, that one person that says, watch, we're going to sing happy birthday to them. We're going to embarrass them. You know, that's that one person that uh, even the waiters and the waitresses are like, oh man, that one person. Now, is that you? Is that just me? Anybody else like love to be sung happy birthday to in a restaurant? Any hands? No hands? Okay, I thought that might have been just the introvert in me just trying to wanting to crawl in a hole and die in those moments. But I'm glad I'm not the only one. When we think about the moments in our life, the moments that bring us to where we are today, it's not those silly little moments that we reflect on really. It's, it's the big moments in life we reminisce on, we look back to. It's those moments in time when, wow, I graduated high school. I'm going to be free. I'm going to be free. Don't tell them that there's responsibility on the other side of that. Um, it's those moments in time where uh, you get your very own house and you get the keys to your house and you're thinking, wow, that's so cool. Or, or that time when uh, you get engaged to your bride. And, and in that moment, you look her in the eye and think, this is a gigantic moment for us in time. And I'll never forget that moment when I was at the hospital and I was not knowing what to do with my hands. I didn't know what to do with my feet. I was kind of pacing the room and all of a sudden the doctor said, it's time to push. And I, and I didn't know what to do, but I just know my life was going to be changed forever and my daughter was born. You look back in those moments and you can't forget them. They're just ingrained in your mind. Those are moments and times. And over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about these moments. We're going to talk about how point A meets moment B meets moment C and leads you to where you are today. And you can look back in time and say, this was not an accident. This was not purely by chance that I'm ending up in this moment here right now that, that God has ordained this to be, that there's a bigger work at play. We want to help you see that God is the moment maker. But before we do that, let's take a time. Let's recognize the moment that we're in right now and let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, help us to see even now that this is a moment that you've created just for us. Lord, help us to see you in greater clarity. Help us to recognize you through your word today. Lord, uh, bless your servant as he comes humbly to deliver your word, Lord God. In your name we pray these things. Amen. Well, my assumption today is that you're here for one of a few reasons. One, you want to be here to hear the word of God and be with people to help you grow in your spiritual walk with Christ. Or you were invited by somebody here and, and you've come, you're just checking this thing out. We're glad that you're here. Uh, we, we expect God to move. We believe that this place right here is the very best place that you can be this weekend. Or my other assumption is that you just have a drug problem. 
that you were drug here by someone today. And regardless of the reason why you are here, we're glad that you are. Um, we believe that this moment, even now, even this very moment is going to be shaping the trajectory of your life in the present on into eternity. My hope this morning is that we will be able to recognize that our moments in life are not chance, but intentionally created to reflect the glory of the Lord in a way that changes us from the inside out. We're going to start this morning in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, because I believe that that's where we need to get through this passage first to understand what the glory of the Lord is and how we can reflect that. So we're going to start in 2 Corinthians 3 today, and that will kind of pave the way for where we're going this morning. 2 Corinthians 3.18, and we all, with unveiled face, beholding, or some translation says reflecting the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another And we see this all the time, and not just with the Lord, but we see it all the time in our culture. Am I right? We see that the the pop stars that are on TV, they kind of transform who people become because people want to be like that. They want to be like Taylor Swift. They think she is so cool. And uh, our coaches and our community transform young men and young women because these kids look up to them. And, and you, look, you look on TV, you look on, at, at actors and actresses, and I bet you anything, the clothes that you're wearing right now are a direct result from what somebody you've seen at some point in time, you thought it would look cool, that you were going to be like them. They kind of, you, you look at them and you want to be like them. Why else would Nike spend millions and millions of dollars just to have an athlete wear their shoes? It's because kids want to be like that. They want to be transformed into the image that they see. When God creates moments in our life and we see his glory, we cannot help but be transformed. Our God is much greater than LeBron James. When we see God and who he is, Man, if God had a brand of sneakers, I'd be wearing them. You know what I'm saying? It's good. It's an irresistible attraction. And the degree in my life that I see God in his glory, to that degree I love him. And the degree that I see God in his glory in my life, to that degree I long for him. And to that degree I want to be like him. It's no question that there is a battle going on, waging a war for ourselves and our affections. It's the battle of the world and its fleshly desires. And it's the battle of the Lord and his eternal pleasures. And God loves to create moments when we come face to face with him and we'll never be the same again. If you're with me this morning, you've got your Bible, I'd encourage you to open up to Matthew chapter 17. We're going to be camping there in that passage today. So um, that's the first book in the New Testament of your Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, if that helps out at all. 
In my Bible, it might be page 1128. I don't know. I don't know if that helps you. First of all, let me, uh, let me tell you this. I can totally relate to Peter. He's one of the disciples of Jesus. Um, because in verse, or sorry, chapter 16, Peter had just accomplished this great profession of faith. He looked square in Jesus' face when he asked him, Peter, who do you say that I am? And he said, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, you're right, Peter. But guess what? No one revealed that to you except the Father. And you are Peter. And on this rock, I'm going to build my church. And Peter's chest swelled up with pride. And he was like, that's right. That's right. I got it right. And then just a few verses later, um, Peter thinking he knows it all, tells Jesus that's never going to happen. And uh, Jesus calls him a stumbling block and even says, get behind me, Satan. You know, whenever I think I've got this Christian life figured out, man, I'm humbled, right? I'm just so humbled all the time. But guess what? Our God doesn't give up on us. And he didn't give up on Peter. And in Matthew 17 is where we're going to find that God was not content to let Peter think the way he was thinking. He was going to take him up on a mountain and prove his declaration of God as the son of God was true. And we're going to read that in Matthew 17, 1 through 8. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them and his face shone like the sun and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. He was still speaking when behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them and a voice from the cloud says, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. And when the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces, were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them saying, rise and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. God created an undeniable moment in Peter's life. He saw the same Jesus that he once declared as the Messiah, the son of the living God, transfigured. Which is just a fancy word for, I have no idea what just happened. It's something unutterable. The Bible says that Jesus' face shone like the sun. And so I think we're a little, got some cloud cover today. But if it was clear outside and you walked out the doors and you looked up, I invite you to lock eyes with the sun. Don't do it too long. Your doctor wouldn't recommend it and neither would I. But it's in that moment that you look there and all of a sudden you can't look for too long without you lowering your eyes in a bowed form. You can't see that. All of a sudden you get humbled Before that, and they looked at Jesus, and his face shone like the sun, his robes were white. And Peter saw Elijah and Moses there as well. And Peter, quick to speak, wanted to have a camp out with his new buddies. 
Peter was quick to discover, and we're wise to understand that when moments are created by God, they cannot be conformed to our plans. I'll admit that I have a tendency to think that my ideas are always the best ideas. I don't know if there's anyone out there like that. Um, You know, July 4th is one of those weekends that guys just love. You know, because whenever you can pull out a grill, light something on fire and put some meat next to it, like guys are going to congregate there. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and so when, you, when guys get around the grill, there's a tendency to stand there in judgment at the person that's cooking the burgers on the grill. And, um, and one guy is, is saying, oh, you should have made those burgers thicker. And another one's saying, oh, they should be thinner than that. And one guy's saying, oh, you probably should flip those burgers. They're getting a little overcooked. And the other guy's saying, oh, I like mine a little bit well. And, and one guy's saying, you, you probably should have seasoned them. And another guy is saying, did you put any onions in that meat? And, and all of a sudden, there's so many opinions as to how to cook the burgers. Guys, can we just, in this moment, create some ground rules? Would that be fair to do? Okay, here's the ground rules for grilling when there's a bunch of dudes around. Okay, if you have the spatula, you're the grill sergeant. You're in charge of the grill, okay? If you relinquish the spatula, you relinquish your rights as the ownership of the grill and the cook of the burgers, okay? Is that fair to say? Do I have any objectors out there? All right, good. Glad we're on the same page. Y'all can come over for barbecue at my house, all right? What we see with Peter is very much the same thing. Here, Peter, it's like he walked in to Iron Chef Bobby Flay's kitchen and tried to tell him how to cook the burgers. And it was in that moment that Peter almost missed it. Because if you try to control the plans, you will miss the moment. Do I have any control freaks out there? Anybody control freak? You're a control freak. Okay, good. I'm not the only one. If it's not your way, it's not the best way. Well, I think this this message is for you today. Because you, like Peter, can sometimes get very close to missing the moment. You don't realize how fleeting they are. They come and they go and you're in them and you're out of them. And, And we can't make a monument of our moments. We can't hold on to them. We can't camp there. Our only hope is to let our moments change us. And thankfully, God has been known to intervene. He can't be controlled or directed. Why? Because he's God. In that very moment, the Father of heaven interjected. And get this, what I love is that God confirmed audibly what he previously spoke to Peter's heart spiritually about God. He said, make no mistake, this Jesus is the Messiah. He is the son of the living God, lest you be mistaken. And you can't make a tent of sticks for him. And he is not on equal footing as Moses and Elijah. He is holy. He is other than them. And in that moment, Peter, whoa, was terrified, face down in the dirt. And with unveiled face, Jesus, in that moment, was reflecting the glory of the Lord. 
You know, recently I heard a quote from Henry Skugel in his book, The Life of God and the Soul of Man, and he writes, The worth and excellency of the soul is measured by the object of its love. The worth and excellency of the soul is measured by the object of its love. And I started to think about that and I was like, wow, what a great quote. Because I started to think about my life and I was like, the worth of my soul is not measured by a low standard, but it's on what I love to a high standard. A jeweler is not recognized by the worth of the costume jewelry in a shop, but he's measured by the quality of diamonds that he has. Have you thought about it that way? And as I was reconciling this in my brain, I started to think, wow, couldn't this apply to God as well? The worth and excellency of God is measured by his love. Namely, himself. Let me just take a moment and point out the fact that we serve a God that's in three persons, a trinity. And when in 1 John 4 it says that all love comes from God and that God is love, we can't really understand this because love requires two things. It requires an expression and it requires a receiver. You have to express love and it has to be received. And so God in his tri-nature, his Father, Son, Holy Spirit, in this confusing arrangement of personhood that is God, he's loving himself and receiving his own love and he's the perfection of love. It's the most beautiful reciprocal expression of love that there is. And as the father looked upon Jesus at the transfiguration, he simply saw his own glory reflecting back off of his son. And when he saw his own glory, that's when enabled him to be able to say, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased because you know what? God is well pleased with himself. God has an insurmountable love for himself. And some of you today are thinking, wow, how vain of God, how pompous of a thought. Isn't that wrong? Well, let me ask you this. Why is it wrong for us to look in a mirror and say, you're the greatest. You are awesome. Because you're not. God is. And he knows it. In fact, he knows that the greatest gift that he could ever hope to give you is himself. There's no greater gift on earth. There's no greater gift in heaven than God himself. And when he offers himself to you, our reaction should be, thank you. Thank you. What a gift. I was in ninth grade at a camp in New York when God created this moment in my life. When I looked around and everything else just seemed like junk. It was worthless. Everything that I tried to build, my reputation that I tried to build, the clothes that I tried to own, 
I looked and I said, that's just useless. And I saw in that moment, Jesus. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. Without a doubt, you know that God has created a moment in your life when you look up and everything in your world, your family, your friends, your possessions, your earthly prizes, your reputation, you just don't see it. It fades into the background and all you can see is none but Jesus. You know that God has created that moment in your life. And the plans you thought were so cunning are now just an embarrassment. My goal here this morning is not to deliver a sermon that could be found in a self-help section. I only want to help you see in maybe a new way this morning how glorious my God is. How amazing he is. How wonderful he is. The truth is, You can't even help yourself. It's not even possible. The Bible says in John 3, 36, that whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. The wrath of God exists and therefore remains on those that are in disobedience to the Son. So how can we reconcile John 3.36? A God that has righteous anger and wrath towards the world. Reconcile that with John 3.16 that says, For God so loved the world. How do we do that? We reconcile it with 1 Thessalonians 5.9. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have no hope. We have no good effort that is fitting. We have no backdoor safety hatch from the consuming wrath of God except in Jesus. John 3:16 for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Unless God can look at you and see in your life his very son reflecting back at him, we're but ruined. We've got no hope. Our only hope for all eternity is that God would look at us and see his son in us. There's no good thing that we can do. We can try our entire life and we're going to fail. As soon as you do one thing wrong, you've you've already blown it. Because God is a God of purity. God is God of holiness. God is God of perfection. And he only deals in perfection. And here's the deal. He offered his son to us. He say, he can be your perfection on your behalf if you let him. That's the good news. That's what I saw in ninth grade. That's what I saw in a weekend summer camp and I realized that I was useless without God. 
Colossians 1.27 reveals the mystery of God. And it says, the great mystery of God is simply this. It's not hard. The great mystery of God is simply this. Christ in you. The hope of glory. To many this morning... This could be that moment that God has created just for you. You could be in that moment. And if you're in that moment, don't try to plan it. Don't try to control it. You just got to hope to be changed by it. Because God is the moment maker. Sometimes you just need to tell your heart, shut up. Stop trying to reconcile me away from you, God. Sometimes in that moment you need to stop trying to run and you need to listen to God when he's looking at you say this is my beloved son whom I love and you just need to listen to him listen to God speaking to your heart this morning I pray that God would remove the veil from your heart so that you can look up to them and not see your reputation not see the things that you've held so dear, but you look up to God and you see none but Jesus. If you feel like God is calling you out in this moment, if he's wanting all of you, if this is your time, if you're feeling like God wants to meet with you today, we're gonna give you a time to meet. Would you pray with me? And if this is you, if this is your, you kind of saying, God, I am an object of wrath without you, I'm going to invite you to pray these words with me. In your own heart, in your own life, in your own words, just cry out to God. It's not my words, it's yours. You gotta, you've got to own it. Say something like this, God, I just need you. I realize that I am ruined without you. I'm so thankful that you would send your son that all I would have to do is believe and I won't perish for eternity, but I will have eternal life with you and I just wanna thank you, God, for creating this moment in my life where I'm giving it all to you. All I surrender to you, God. You take me. Make me your son or your daughter so I can live with you and see your glory for eternity. While everybody's heads are bowed, if that was you today, if you said that God was creating a moment in time for me, will you just quickly just shoot your hand out? I just want to pray for you. Was that, if, if there's anyone here today that says, this is my moment, raise your hand. I just want to pray for you. I want to see you. I want to pray for you. I want to recognize you. These are moments created by God, moments that are directing the trajectory of our life and all of our eternity, and this could be that moment for you. Just quickly raise your hands for me so I can see, so I can pray for you. 
if either of these realities are true for you, you know, maybe, maybe this morning you have been a Christian for a long time. Maybe God has been real to you once in life. But maybe like Peter, you had once confessed Christ, but he's just revealing something brand new to you. You're seeing God in a way that you've never seen him before. Maybe God's changing you today. So when you walk out those doors at the end of the day, you will never be the same. It's going to propel you to a greater ministry of love towards him and the world. And if that's true, I'm going to pray for you right now. Lord God, I pray that you help my Christian brothers and sisters to be able to see you in your glorious light. In a way that they can never be the same. Like Peter, he couldn't come down from that mountain and look into Jesus' eyes the same ever again. And I pray that this moment would be that moment in their life where they recognize who you are. And they'll never be able to see you the same way again. And they're going to give of their life. They're going to live for you. They're going to be changed by your love and exist in your joy. Lord God, thank you for them. Propel them into ministry today. In your name we pray.